Welcome to those who are here at the church building and welcome to any who may have joined us online. Um, we're going to follow the, the normal pattern for our midweek Bible study, which is that uh, I'll read the scripture um, and then I'll pray. Uh, then I've got a, 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 some comments. Then I'll uh, uh, then uh, there's some comments to make on the on the passage which which I'll have read. Uh, then we've also got a hymn tonight, and then uh, we will break for discussion. Uh, so uh, the scripture tonight is uh, Proverbs chapter twelve and uh, verses two to seven. And if you happen to have um, one of these ESVs to hand, it's page 635 in the, in the um, church Bible. So Proverbs 12 and verse 2. A good man obtains favour from the Lord, but a man of evil devices... He condemns. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous <coughs> will never be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are just, the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked line wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. Well, let's come to God now and let's uh, seek his face in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you that you are the all-wise God. And we thank you that you've not kept your wisdom to yourself, but you've revealed your wisdom to men so that we might know you and so that we might follow you in our lives, so that we might have something of your wisdom as we go about our daily lives. Thank you for this and we pray that tonight as we consider your word and as we consider the wisdom that you have given, uh, we pray that you will uh, help us to draw near to you, help us to learn from your wisdom and uh, we pray that if if anybody needs to come to Christ for salvation, anybody who listens to this, we pray that you'll lead that person to Christ. And those of us who know Christ already, will be, that we'll be encouraged in our knowledge and love of you, and that we will serve you as we should. We pray these things through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. On Sunday evening... Ed was speaking from Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 15 to, 18, 15 to 17. And those verses say, Look 
carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And Ed suggested to us, and I think rightly so, that the background of, what, of those verses in, in, in Ephesians is uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And uh, as, as uh, the, the days are evil, he, he, he mentioned various verses in Ecclesiastes which talk about the evil days, evil, evil nature of life under the sun. Um, and, of course, uh, when it says not to walk as unwise but as wise, well, of course, the whole book of Proverbs is about, uh, about living wise lives. And so, if that's the case, and as I said, I think Ed is probably correct, then uh, we have in Ephesians chapter 5 a mandate to study the book of Proverbs. It's saying, look, you know, you want to know what it means to live a wise life. Well, there you are. Here's the answer. Go back and have a look. Um, of course, there are other echoes, of course, in Proverbs, as we know from James and other places as well in Scripture. So uh, it's good to, be, to know that we're on the right lines as we, as we look at uh, these verses uh, together. Uh, and... Uh, for the tonight's talk, I decided to borrow a line from uh, John Newton's hymn, uh, Glorious Things of You Are Spoken. Uh, and the line is, solid joys and lasting treasure, none but Zion's children know. And the hymn as a whole is talking about the blessing of being part of the church. And I'll read the whole verse. It says, the it says, Saviour, since of Zion's city, I through grace a member am. Let the world deride or pity, I will glory in your name. Fading are the world's best pleasures, all its boasted pomp and show. Solid joys and lasting treasures, none but Zion's children know. So in other words, this is, that, that hymn is saying that if you are a true believer, you are part of the church which lasts forever. The world and its treasures may come and go, but the true believer is part of a lasting city. The people of this world might laugh at us, they might pity us, but it doesn't matter because we who believe, are, we have solid joys and lasting treasures. The, wor the world's best pleasures and, and, uh, are, are, are fading. All its po boasting, pomp and show is going to disappear very quickly. But solid joys and lasting treasures, none but Zion's children know. And it seems to me that, that at various places uh, in these verses that I've read to us, that's really what, what Solomon is saying. He's saying, look, solid joys lasting treasure belong to believers security is found in him uh, and uh, in, in, in knowing uh, Christ and serving Christ so uh, 
with that said by way of introduction, I'd like us then to, to go through these verses uh, pretty much verse by verse. And uh, the first verse that we're considering tonight is verse 2. And I'm heading this, Righteousness brings favor from God. We read in verse 2, A good man obtains favor from the Lord. But a man of evil devices, he condemns. Now, we need to remember who is being spoken about when the book of Proverbs talks about a good person or a righteous person. We know that in this life there is no one who is 100% good in his or her life. All have sinned and broken God's law and even those who have been born again, will continue to sin to their dying day. But uh, those who are saved can be called good in two senses. First of all, they are good in the sense that they are good or righteous in God's sight because they've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But then secondly, uh, they are good in the sense that they are, uh, that the fundamental direction of their lives has changed. They used to hate God. They used to be set on rebellion against God, but they have been changed. They've been born again. They now want to serve God in their lives. They love what is good and hate what is bad. Uh, they're still not perfect. They still fail God. But they are good in the sense that the trajectory of their life is towards God rather than being away from God and towards sin. So this verse says that the good man, the man who is good in that sense of being righteous in God's sight and, and in the sense of having been born again, says that person obtains favor from the Lord. The good man, in that sense, has had his sins forgiven. He is right with God. He has been justified before God. Uh, he finds God's favor. He will be welcomed into paradise when he dies, and then at the resurrection he will have a glorious new body, and enjoy the new heavens and the new earth. But by contrast, the verse goes on to say, the man of evil uh, devices, he, that is God, condemns. The person who's set, whose heart is set on evil and does not repent of his sin, but continues down the, that path, uh, will be condemned by God. Uh, that person will be subject to God's wrath for all eternity. Uh, this is something which the Apostle Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7, where he says, He, that is God, will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking 
and who do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So this verse raises a really important question for each one of us to consider before God. Am I good in the sense that is spoken of in this book of Proverbs? Or am I evil? Am I righteous or am I unrighteous? Am I wise or am I foolish? If, by God's grace, you are good in the sense of of being clothed in the righteousness of Christ and in the sense of having been born again, then thanks, give thanks to God. You are the object of God's favour. You, you're obtaining favour from God. You have obtained favour from God. There is no condemnation for you. You are safe for all of eternity. Don't envy the wicked who are living in opposition to God. They may perhaps have some pleasures in this life, but these pleasures will soon be gone at death or when Jesus comes again, whichever is sooner. And then they will face God's wrath forever and they will be condemned forever. So give thanks if, if by God's grace you are good in his sight. But if you have to say, in all honesty, that you are still a lover of sin, you are still alienated from God, and then, then what should you do? Well, this verse shows us you must urgently come to Christ. It's only the good man who finds favour uh, from the Lord, or only the good woman who finds favour from the Lord. The one of evil devices will be condemned. Come to Christ quickly. You're at the edge of condemnation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Thanks be to God, you can be saved. Jesus has died on the cross in the place of sinners. Anyone who comes to him and truly turns from sin and trusts in him will be saved. But you must come. You must believe on the Lord. So there's the first thing then. That... uh, a, a, a good man obtains favour from the Lord. Now, the, sen- the second thing we see from these verses is that the righteous have a solid foundation for life. Verse 3. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. This verse teaches us that that rebellion against God does not provide any solid foundation for life. No one is established by wickedness. If you build your life on the basis of rebellion against God, then when trouble comes, your life will be found to have no foundation and it will collapse The flip side of this is that the righteous person, that is the person, as we've seen, who is righteous in God's sight through faith in Christ and whose life is essentially righteous because he's been born again, that person has a solid foundation for his life. When disaster strikes, he stands firm. Uh, The root, it says there, verse 3, second of verse 3, the root of the righteous will never be moved. Changing the picture from that of a 
of a building to that of a tree, the righteous has got these roots going deep down into, into the soil. The, the, the hurricane comes and that tree stands firm, just like as is described in, um, in, in Psalm 1, uh, or as is described in, in, in the book of Jeremiah about the person who, the righteous person whose, whose root goes down deep. Now this reminds us of what the Lord Jesus says in his parable of the house that's built upon the rock, as recorded in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 24 to 27. He says these words, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat that on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So the person who, who does not live in obedience to Christ at first sight might seem to be doing fine like that man who built his house upon the sand. But when the trouble comes, and particularly when death comes, then his life is shown to have no solid foundation. It crashes down like a house of cards. But the person who lives his life in obedience to Christ is like a man who built his house upon the rock. When trouble, and particularly death, comes, his house stands because it's built upon a solid foundation. So if you want to have a life which is well-founded, again, the lesson is come to Christ and obey him. And what's the first thing you have to do to obey Christ? The first thing is to obey his call to repent and believe the gospel. Trust him for salvation. And then following from that, live day by day in close uh, fellowship with him, repenting of your sin quickly when you become aware of it. Third thing, a good wife is a crown to her husband. Verse 4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness to his bones. Now this verse reinforces the point that we, that we learned a few weeks ago when we were considering chapter 11, verse 22. Just to remind you of that verse. It says, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. And, I was, and, and when, we, when we looked at that, that verse a few weeks ago, I uh, devoted the whole evening to it and I gave a talk on... on um, on, on how it's very, very important to be wise about whom one marries. And, and, um, I, so I'm not going to repeat what I said then. Uh, and if you missed the talk, I would recommend that you, you, you find it on YouTube or on Sermon Audio and have a listen to it. But let's just, just co- briefly comment on this verse in, verse in chapter 3 and verse 4. And we see that a good wife is described as the crown of her husband. 
She brings great dignity and honour to him and she is a real help to him. She fulfills that purpose that that um, that, that God for, for which God created Eve, that she would be a, a, a suitable helper, a help meet, the old translation puts it, uh, for her husband. But a bad wife, one who brings shame on her husband, uh, the second half of the verse says, is like rottenness in his bones, just like rheumatoid arthritis can can be cripplingly painful and can stop someone from being able to be productive. So a woman who lives in a shameful way can be devastatingly disabling for her husband. And of course, this the same applies for uh, a godly husband and a god and not a godly husband. A godly husband is going to be a tremendous blessing to his wife, but an ungodly man uh, is going to be desperately enervating for the Christian woman. And uh, he's going to sap her strength, uh, just like rottenness in the bones. So, uh, the application, just like what we saw when we looked at that verse in one in, in chapter 11, verse 22. Be very, those of you not married, would like to get married one day, be very careful about whom you marry. Better to, better to remain single than to marry an unbeliever and somebody who's going to make your life a misery. And for those of us who are married, let us remember that we have tremendous power to do good or to do bad to our spouses. If you behave in a godly way, you, if you're a woman, Christian woman, you behave a godly way uh, with your husband, towards your husband, then you'll be like a crown for him. And uh, you'll bring great honour and dignity to him and, and great help and strength. But if you, if you are moaning and grumbling and, and, and uh, unfaithful and lazy and so on and so forth, then uh, you will be, uh, you will bring, you'll be like, you'll bring, you'll be like rottenness to his bones. And so those of us who are men as well who are married, let us consider that we can neither do great good or great harm to our spouses. Now then we go on to verse 5, and we see here that there are two ways of thinking. Verse 5, the thoughts of the righteous are just, the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. So this verse tells us that there are two contrasting ways of thinking which correspond to two different spiritual states. Now remember again the definition of the righteous. They are those who have trusted in Christ for salvation and have been born again by the Spirit of God. And Solomon says that the thoughts of the righteous are just. They think in a way which is in line with God's will and, with, and in God's ways. They think in a just, in a right uh, and righteous way. But by contrast, he says, the 
counsels, the thoughts of the wicked, the plans and ideas and schemes of the wicked are deceitful. They are full of lies and they lead those wicked people astray. Now this reminds us of of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verses 5 to 8 where he contrasts the way of thinking of those who've been born again with the way of thinking of those who have not been born again. He says in those verses, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we see then that the person who lives according to the flesh, in other words, the person who's not born again, that person sets his mind on the things of the flesh. In other words, he sets his mind on on those sinful desires which... Which, uh, which lurk inside us. Whereas, Paul says, the one who lives according to the Spirit, in other words, the one who's born again, he sets his mind on the things of the Spirit, on those things that the Holy Spirit wants. He, his, he thinks thoughts that are in line with God's word and in line with God's will. Paul says that the mind that is set on the flesh, the mind of that person who is not born again, experiences spiritual death. But the mind that is set on the spirit, the mind of the person who is born again, uh, experiences life and peace. The mind that is set on the flesh, the mind of the person who is not born again, is hostile to God, he says. Now, he doesn't spell it out Explicitly, but by implication from the passage, the mind of the person who is born again is friendly towards God. The mind of the person who's not born again, Paul says, does not submit to God's law and is incapable of doing so. Again, by implication, the mind of the person who is born again does submit to God's law. He says, the person who's in the flesh, that is, who's not born again, cannot please God. Again, by implication, the person who is born again can, by contrast, please God. So we see here then that that the, the key to right living is right thinking. And the key to right thinking is where your heart is. Is your heart still dead in sin? Are you still wicked? Or is your heart alive to God? Are you born again? Now this of course is why those who are not born again do not understand the truth about Christ. It's why they, 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 they simply can't see the truth. Why? Because their minds are corrupted through their sin. So what's the big takeaway from this verse for us? Well, the big takeaway surely is 
that you must be born again if you're going to think in a right way and so live in a right way. So each one of us, we need to ask ourselves the question, have I been born again? And if you would answer, well, I'm not sure if I'm born again, then what you must do is come to Christ and receive Christ as your saviour and submit to him as your Lord and, and ask him to give you that, that rebirth, that new life. But for those of us who are already born again, there's surely also a secondary application, which is that more and more we need to cultivate that godly mind, which the Apostle Paul says those who are born again have. Later on in that letter, in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So for those of us who are believers, yes, the fundamental direction of our minds has changed once we've been born again, but we need to continue to cultivate that new way of thinking. How do we do that? Well, through hearing the preaching of God's word and through reading the scriptures and through meditating upon those scriptures. And as we do that, then we, we cultivate this new way of life and so we become more and more Christian in our thinking and in our behavior. Now this leads us to the next verse, verse 6, which talks about two ways of speaking. Verse 6, the words of the wicked line wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. The two ways of thinking lead to two ways of speaking. If our minds are corrupt, then what comes of our, out of our mouths will also be corrupt. The wicked, who are not born again, produce speech which is violent. It says the, the mouth, words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. In other words, they're, they're, they're words which are just looking for that opportunity to damage and to harm other people. Now, they might not be physically violent, and their speech might not directly call for murder or violence but there is violence in the speech they are verbally violent they use threatening language they are abusive they are rude they are insulting they are unkind they are boastful they are lying they are threatening they make crude jokes and are full of blasphemy and cursing and this speech of the wicked comes from the corruption that's in their hearts. But the verse continues, the mouth of the wicked, sorry, the mouth of the upright, excuse me, delivers them. What comes out of the mouth of the righteous shows that they are born again. 
Out of the mouth of the righteous comes truthfulness, gentleness, thankfulness, kindness, purity, and many other good ways of speaking. The love that is in the heart of the righteous shows itself in his speech so that he proves himself to be one of the Lord's people. Now this reminds us of what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew, as recorded in Matthew chapter 12 and verses 33 to 38 where he said these words, Either make the tree good and its fruit good or you make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus is saying that the mouth betrays the condition of the heart. A bad heart is shown by a bad mouth. And that's why Jesus says, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. It's not salvation by good speech. You know, that would be another form of salvation by works, and Jesus doesn't teach salvation by works. Nowhere in the Bible teaches salvation by works. Our salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. But the fact that we have been saved will be shown, it will be revealed by how we speak. So the lesson from this is this. If you're going to speak in a right way, you need a right heart. And to have a right heart, you need to be born again. So again, once more, this, this verse is reinforcing that point which we've really seen pretty much in each verse that it's vitally important to be born again. But let me also make an application to those of us who believe ourselves to be born again. Let me ask you this question. Is your speech... Does your speech, as it were, betray you to be a righteous man, a righteous woman? If somebody was to place a tape recorder in your house, or they don't have tape recorders these days, do they? What, a, a bugging device in your house? Suppose, suppose that whatever that Alex, is it Alex here or something, this, this Amazon woman? suddenly could start listening to everything you're saying and started writing it all down. And somebody in uh, China or somewhere was, was listening to your words and were they, ah, there's a Christian there. Listen to the way he speaks to his wife. Listen to the way he talks to his children. See that kindness and that gentleness and that, that honesty and that humility. Or would that person say, oh, no, this person is obviously not a Christian because of the horrible way he treats his wife or 
the scathing way in which he talks to his children or listen to the way he's talking to his clients on the phone or listen to the way in which he, he's, he, he, he talks to his, his work colleagues or his neighbours. No, no, this one can't possibly be a Christian. What would be said about you? What would be said about me if, if, if the way that we speak in private were... Would you be embarrassed if, if the way that, that you speak in private in, your, in, the, in the secrecy of your own home, if that was you know, suddenly broadcast to the whole world? Uh, we need to remember, don't we, that the Lord is, is the witness of our speech and, uh, and he, he wants us as believers to be righteous in our speech. Then finally we have the security of the righteous. Verse 7. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. Now this verse brings us back full circle really to where we started. The righteous are safe and secure. Their house will stand like that house that Jesus talked about that's built on the rock. Their house will stand but the wicked are overthrown and are no more. Now that might not happen in this life. It might be, you might, might have to wait till they die for that to happen. But at some point, the wicked will be overthrown and they will be no more. They will lose everything they've lived for in this life and then they will be sent to everlasting destruction in hell. Do you want security? I think everybody wants security, don't they? There's that longing for security in all of us. Well, that security is found not in living in a country with a big army, ultimately, not in having lots of money, not in insurance policies, but security is found in Christ. Come to him, trust in him, and you will be safe. Well, um, I hope that's helpful for us. Um, in a moment we'll, just, we'll, we'll sing that hymn which uh, I mentioned, uh, Glorious Things of You. Are spoken. By the way, I forgot to say at the beginning. Apologies. We've had apologies from from Abigail because she um, had hoped to come, but David was detained at work, um, and also Dawn had hoped to come, but she was unable to come because of uh, needing. She was late getting up to the hospital to look after the baby that she's looking after, and Ed is recovering, as I mentioned, is recovering from uh, having received dental treatment. Um, so, yeah, glorious things of you are spoken. That's number 570. Those of you are on the WhatsApp at home, you should, you should have received the words on your phone. Um, so uh, let's, um, let's uh, sing uh, these words.